Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, called Having a Tested Faith. What was Abraham's test was God's reality. And there's something else that you and I need to see here, and it's this, that though it was a test for Abraham, there was something very much more going on here. Because Abraham's walk to Mount Moriah, and we'll take a peek at the text in a moment, but I think most of you are familiar with it. When he goes to Mount Moriah, to the mountain that God shows him to go to, that mountain range, that area up there is the Temple Mount, and the the area encompasses the crucifixion site. And 2,000 years later, a father, the heavenly, our heavenly father, would offer God the son who took on human flesh, and he would go up on that place where Jesus would be crucified and act out the gospel 2,000 years before the gospel was realized. And get this, what is the Hebrew church struggling with? Oh, they're going through a test, but what's at the heart of the test? The gospel. The truth that God sent his son to die to be the propitiation for our sins, that all of the types and shadows are fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the Hebrew church is reeling because they're trying to defend that gospel. They're trying to stand on that hill, if you will, and not back down from it. And God is taking them through the incredible richness of the scriptures and saying, go back to Mount Moriah, go back to Abraham, go back to Isaac, go back to the offering, and know this, that you're not the first one that had to stand for the gospel. You're not the first one who went through a test and had to make a stand and decide whether or not you would live for this and even perhaps die for it. This is what is before us. And Abraham was tested, and this was not Abraham's first test. As I mentioned in Jewish tradition, 10 tests, but I wonder if that's even enough. And I wonder how many times God is testing me and I don't even realize what's going on. And I also wonder when he tests me if some of it has absolutely nothing to do with me. I want to make it about me all the time. Anybody else? Why are you doing this to me? How could this happen to me? Me, 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 me. You know, choirs that are warming up, they're very selfish people. They make it all about them. Me, 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 me. (laughs) Never mind. It wasn't even in the notes, and there was a reason for it. Anyway. Okay, just a few verses if you're taking notes. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you, Deuteronomy 8, 2, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, verse 3, and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he, may, he might make you understand 
that man does not live on bread alone. Man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Proverbs 17.3 says, The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. Psalm 11.3-5 reads this way, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. That's Psalm 11.4. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. And the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Psalm 26, 1 through 3 says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. And then finally, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. We've learned recently as we've gone through the gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 4 that when Jesus was tempted by the devil, there's a single Greek word that is used in the Greek New Testament for either tempt or test, and it's a word called parazzo. And I've given you the spelling before. I don't think it's significant, but it's just so that you know that the word can be a temptation if it's coming like from the enemy and a test if it's coming from God. And, and teachers have said that what God often means is a test. Satan will use as a temptation. And I think you've all probably heard something like that before. The word test in the Greek parazzo means to examine, to uh, test, and you can simply define it this way, to put to the proof So when you're tested, it's to put you to the proof. What does that mean? To see what comes out, to see how you respond, to see what the metal looks like. How far is it refined in the furnace, as it were? And sometimes when, you know, we face the test and maybe you realize somewhere along the way that, you know what, I think the Lord's testing my faith here. Uh, If we were to grade ourselves, I kind of wonder where you might be at in your grading system. Maybe when you first start walking with the Lord, you don't even realize some of these concepts. So maybe you give yourself a failing grade and maybe it's gotten better as you've gone along. Maybe you're at a point now where you recognize some things as tests. Or maybe you're a little quicker to recognize spiritual warfare in your life or that God may be stretching you in your walk with the Lord. So the term is morally neutral, parazzo test, but depends on where it's coming from. Uh, in, in the sense of the positive, you may be asking, what is the positive side of the equation of a test? And why would God put Abraham through something so extreme and heartbreaking as this? Well, there's no doubt that it was a test for Abraham, but there's something more. As I mentioned, it's a powerful picture of the gospel And I think there's something else going on. Let me add another practical layer. What did the Hebrew church need? Endurance, right? We saw that in chapter 10. I think it's verse 36. 
How do you get endurance? Do you know how you get endurance? Not when you're sitting on your lazy boy. Now, I'm not saying there's not room for margin in your life. That is rest and the idea of a Sabbath and getting away from stuff and, you know, having a little downtime. That's a good thing. But my point is this, that when God knows that you and I need endurance, he may test us at that very moment to bring more refinement into our lives because Testing brings endurance. Let's flip over to the book of James, Hebrews, uh, and then James is the very next book to your right. So just flip a few pages over. Let's remind ourselves of what James says about this topic. James is addressing a Jewish audience as well. You might, you might uh, recall that in James 1.1, 1, 1, a few pages to your right, James introduces himself as a bondservant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, writing to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. And then he says these famous words. Consider it all joy, my brethren, James 1, 2, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Testing your faith produces endurance. Now, sometimes when I'm tired, the very last thing that I want is a test. I want to just say, how many of you remember this commercial? Calgon, take me away. That's a bubble bath. So you get it on the right temperature and you put on some of that elevator music and you say to the kids, if you knock on this door, you're dead. (laughs) Take them to Genesis 22, teach them about Never mind. Anyway, but you, you need to know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result. Here's the outcome. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hebrews 10.36 says, you have need of endurance. And it may surprise us to discover that a, te- a test of their faith was the very thing they needed. Although, going back to Hebrews 11, sometimes we might say, oh, this is too much. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you think God knows how much you can take? I think he does. I will say to you, though, there's many times in my life when on a human level, it's much more than I can take. Have you ever heard someone say, well-meaning, God won't give you any more than you can handle? That's baloney. <laughs> That's not what that verse means, by the way. The ver- that verse is talking about temptation and that God will provide a way of escape. But God regularly gives me more than I can handle. Amen? But why does he do that? So I might give him the handle of my life. See, when it's what I can handle, then I can keep driving the car where it needs to go, right? Or where I think it needs to go. But when God gives me things that are above me and beyond me, think about it. Was this above and beyond Abraham? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Sometimes we might say, oh, this is too much. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you think God knows how much you can take? I think he does. I will say to you, though, there's many times in my life when on a human level, it's much more than I can take. Have you ever heard someone say, well-meaning, God won't give you any more than you can handle? That's baloney. <laughs> That's not what that verse means, by the way. The ver- that verse is talking about temptation and that God will provide a way of escape. But God regularly gives me more than I can handle. Amen? Amen. But why does he do that? So I might give him the handle of my life. See, when it's what I can handle, then I can keep driving the car where it needs to go, right? Or where I think it needs to go. But when God gives me things that are above me and beyond me, think about it. Was this above and beyond Abraham? When God said, I want you to go and I'm not giving you an address and there's no GPS and there's no help with a cell phone, just start moving and I'll tell you where to go. Was that beyond Abraham? Abraham was a man. Sarah was a woman. They were just like us, just people. When God said, you're gonna, you're gonna have a kid when you're 100, Was that beyond Abraham? So if you hear people say, and I think they're well-meaning, God won't give you any more than you can handle, that's out of context. Write down 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're curious, read verses 8 through 10. In fact, let's turn there. Let's turn there because I I want you to see it instead of just taking me at my word here. 2 Corinthians one. I didn't plan on going here, but I think it's good for, you, for us to hear this. So Paul's writing 2 Corinthians chapter one, and he's, he's talking about the God of all comfort who comforts us when we go through all this stuff. And he says in verse eight, 2 Corinthians one, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. 2 Corinthians one eight that we were burdened excessively, what's your Bible say? 
beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Here's the reason. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Notice how the focus is God. The reason they went through this, that we would not trust in ourselves, verse nine. Verse eight says we are burdened beyond our strength, more than we could handle, if you will. Back to Hebrews 11. My point is simply this, that when we go through a test, God is reshifting our eyes. He is saying to us, I want you to learn to trust me for things that are beyond you. When you're at the edge of the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go, when you're at the banks of the Jordan River and they're flooded and it looks impossible to cross, I'm going to take you to places like that and I'm going to teach you endurance. I'm going to teach you how to trust me. And so God tested Abraham. And this would be the most difficult test of his life. Hebrews 11:18 says, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, in this little kid called laughter, which by the time we get to Genesis 22, he's probably a, either a teenager or a young adult. In Isaac, your descendants or your seed shall be called. Now, if I'm going to have all these offspring through the child Isaac, how will I have offspring as the stars of the sky or the sand of the seashore if he's dead before he has a wife and babies? That makes absolutely no sense. So he considered 19, when Abraham thought about the implications of such a request or command, he considered that God is able. Mark that in your Bible because that's a statement of faith. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead. Get this. Abraham thought it through by faith and said, okay, if Isaac's the son of promise and we've had this miracle child and we're going to have all this offspring as the stars of the sky, then if I cut him up and I burn him, God's going to raise him back from the dead from the ash heap. And some people say, oh, you got to be kidding me. God's going to raise the kid up from a pile of ashes? That better be true because a lot of you have decided that you are going to be cremated. And all God's people said, yep. And a lot of your loved ones have been cremated. And if God can't raise people up from the ashes, it's over, baby. And to my knowledge, where we're at in the Bible so far, when we get to Genesis 22, we'll take a peek in a moment, there have been no resurrections. Can you think of a resurrection in the first 21 chapters of Genesis? How does Abraham know anything about a resurrection? How did Abraham come? Like, look, you've sat in, under preaching many Easter Sunday mornings and heard about a resurrection and read 1 Corinthians 15 and Acts 26. Why should any of you think it incredible that God raises the dead and you've seen the biblical narratives of Christ rising from the dead? But what did Abraham have? 
Faith. And in his mind, a pile of ashes because he was going up to the mountain to kill him. Which is an amazing act of obedience. He considered, 19, that God is able, that's faith, to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Now that word type is parabole. If you're interested, it's para, P-A-R-A, bole, B-O-L-E. It's the word uh, from which we get parable. It's a similitude, it's a picture, a parable is sometimes a story that pictures something else, like it's an earthly story, but a spiritual meaning. Well, here's a living parable. Abraham's up on Mount Moriah. He's ready to kill his son and offer him as a burnt offering to God. And he's acting out a gospel picture. Now let's flip over to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. So he reasoned through it. And he put together that if he had to kill him, that God would raise him. And so Genesis 22.1 says God tested Abraham. He put him to the proof, just a reminder. He spoke to Abraham and Abraham responded, here I am, which means checking in for service, if you will, ready to serve. Take now 22.2 of Genesis. Your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. You've been listening to Having a Tested Faith, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 11, 17 through 19. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, you may be asking, how did Abraham see Jesus's day and was glad? Well, it's clear in putting Scripture together with Scripture that Abraham knew that if Isaac died, God would raise him from the dead. And when Isaac is laid on the wood— and he's about to die on Mount Moriah where Jesus died 2,000 years later. Yes, that was a prophetic picture of the cross, though Abraham wouldn't have understood the cross in that sense. Prophetic picture of the resurrection he received, Isaac back as a type of the resurrection, typology. Yeah, it's all there. This is the amazing, profound nature of the Bible, the God of the Bible, and Scripture. Now, speaking of the Bible, each Wednesday night at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, we have a midweek service. We're actually wrapping up the book of Hebrews on Wednesday nights, and we have a concurrent youth group. We have stuff for the kids. That is uh, a kid's ministry. We have a time of koinonia after the service. The service runs about 7 to 8.30, and then we do a little koinonia time. We have 
It's a little bit more laid back. Acoustic worship, typically about a 45 minute Bible study, verse by verse. What you're getting on a Walk in Truth broadcast is coming right from the pulpit of Living Truth in the city of Corona, Inland Empire, Southern California, either a Wednesday night or a Sunday night message. And so if you like what you're hearing and you don't have a home fellowship or you don't feel like you're being fed where you are, check us out. Walkintruth.com is our radio website, our podcast website. The church tab gets you to the local church in Corona. That also largely supports this broadcast. Walkintruth.com, click on that church tab. Find out about the midweek and the Sunday services and much, much more. Men's, women's Bible studies, so much more. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you for part three tomorrow. Hey, just to let you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our hope is to broadcast this program on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Our ministry has grown a lot over the years, and it's thanks to our church and our listeners that have become our financial partners. Our producer, Rob Newton, went to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California recently to update the congregation on the state of walk in truth. He talked about where we are, what's new, where we'd like to go, and how you can help. If you'd like to listen to Rob Newton and Pastor Michael's short presentation, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's also on walkintruth.com. We've entitled it The State of Walk in Truth. And again, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 about having a tested faith. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.